Hello and welcome back to Première Personne. Today, I'm really excited to chat with Kate Connolly, who is the author of the very recently published memoir called Learning to Fly. It is available on Amazon. It came out on June 18th, 2023. In it, she says that um, exposure to small t traumas, which are interferences with one's sense of psychology, psychological safety are more common than we realize. And this can ultimately lead to destructive coping mechanisms and behaviors. In this book, she shares her experiences as well as her continued healing journey, what this has been like and how it has helped her to go from surviving to thriving. She believes that being open about sharing and processing our small T traumas will enable us to alchemize them into something beautiful on an individual and collective level. And she invites us all to start a movement. She is so in line with the umbrella of this Première Personne podcast, which is the power, the transformative power of first-person narratives, both at an individual and collective level. I helped Kate self-publish her book and write it in the first place. Um, if that is of interest to you, on August 23rd, 2023, I'm doing a free workshop um, slash masterclass on self-publishing where I'm going to give you five very simple steps so you can become a self-published author this year. The world needs your words and it is high time for you to share all that gold, that juicy knowledge and art that you've been hoarding inside of you. Now, if you want to attend that, the link is in the chat. I can't wait to help you and to um, move any to remove any roadblocks for you. But for now, please welcome the wonderful Kate Connolly. Hello, Kate Connolly. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing this morning? Hi, Brune. I'm doing really, really well. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. Uh, first of all, can you give our listeners um, an idea of where you are in the world, if you can paint us a picture? Yeah, of course. So I am currently sitting in my flat in London, which is where I live, southwest London in Battersea. It's a beautiful day outside here with my cat pom-pom and um yeah that's that's where I am amazing you recently published I announced it in the intro um a book uh, that you wrote quite quickly um you wrote it in the span of a few weeks it is called learning to fly and you self-published it you never thought of yourself as a writer which I think is an important thing to tell our listeners, uh, to invite them to start writing um, and to not get hung up on even the word. Um, you talk in your book about small t trauma. I would love it if you could tell us a bit about uh, why it was important for you to tackle this specific 
theme? Yeah, of course. Um, so as you said, I joined your Writers' Challenge and we had eight weeks to publish a book. And when I sat down to start writing, I didn't have a fixed idea in mind. Um, but one piece of advice I remember hearing years ago is, and it's probably very, very cliched in the writing world, is around writing what you know. Mm. And so I started to write my story and I wanted to talk about sort of my, my experience, but also really, I mean, I've been, as you said, my book is about small T trauma, which sounds like quite a heavy subject, but I think the book is more about the healing than the trauma. And I wanted to share that particular message because for so many years, I thought that there was something wrong with me, like something deeply wrong with me. And actually when I learned through reading and research and therapy, et cetera, that actually no, what I had was like this small T trauma. It just made, it, it gave me so much space to, begin my healing journey and I think it's something that I really believe would resonate with a lot of people in today's world and that's why I wanted to share you know that it's possible to kind of move beyond that paradigm if it's something that you know resonates with whoever picks up the book and almost to have like this second chance of life Definitely. I love it. Small T trauma, you know, the term, there's the adjective small in it. So one might think it's not that important or it's not, it, it can't have a big impact. Could you speak to, in your particular story, what impact it had on your life? Yeah, of course. Um, so small T trauma I definitely don't think it's a medical term, <laughs> but um, essentially what it is, and I think that in common parlance, kind of psychologists differentiate between small T and big T trauma as a way to make people understand in, in layman's terms. So big T trauma is almost those objective objectively traumatic events like living through a war, living through abuse, living through a death or a murder. Small t trauma is much, much, much harder to define because it's subjective and it's very much dependent on the experience of the person. And the way in which I define it is sort of a constant infliction on one's sense of psychological safety that essentially causes damage to one's sense of self. There's been a lot of interesting research done on what it does to the brain and that is by medics you know far far more qualified than me to talk about that but um, it does have a huge impact and for me, the way in which it presented was that it left, so it was kind of that small, repetitive, emotional, uh, I'm trying to find the right word, sorry. Um, 
yeah when I essentially when I was kind of growing up I just I I never felt safe because I never felt like I had space to be myself and I always felt constantly like I was being either shut down or muted or having to walk on eggshells and I didn't understand the rules so I was kind of trying to make it up as I went along but what happened actually was that I ended up retreating very very far within myself and I internalized everything and all of the messaging around me I was interpreting as there's something you know there's something wrong with you you know you're not you're too much you're too big you're too loud you're too this or you know you're not enough so it was kind of very confusing as well um and that was it, it had an impact on me that stayed with me throughout the rest of my life until I really started my healing journey and for me as I said you know I internalized everything and it led to very maladaptive coping mechanisms um particularly drinking too much so I'm a recovering alcoholic I've been in recovery for over six years now and that was really the first step of my healing um but there were others as well eating disorder low level self-harm inability to form relationships etc mm, fantastic thank you for sharing that um I wonder, would you feel comfortable letting us in to um, maybe a couple of things that were told to you when you were a kid that made you then internalize those messages? Yeah, so I was literally told, you know, repeatedly, there is something wrong with you. Mm. And that was because I wasn't behaving in this kind of perfect way you know I was I was a child I was making a mess I was getting sick whatever it was but according to my kind of primary carers that was intolerable and so they would tell me there is something wrong with you there's something wrong with you and that was kind of a messaging that I really 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 internalized and then sort of projected outwardly into all of my relationships from when I started school mm. right you mentioned that at one point you um uh, in the book you mentioned that at one point you entered a, an all-girls school if I recall correctly and yeah. that you were again missing the playbook can you yeah. elaborate on that Uh, yeah, so when I was 12, I, I desperately wanted to go to boarding school because I wanted to get away from my home environment. And I kind of thought that taking myself out of an environment and putting myself into another one would be a kind of, would help to fix me. Um, and what I didn't realize was that, you know, I, I was still taking myself with me with all of those internalized self-beliefs of being less than, of being not good enough, being, you know, something wrong with me, etc. Went into this uh, very English boarding school and a lot, there were a lot of unspoken social rules. So, and a lot of 
so people traded in social currency. So how many generations of your family had been to the school, what your last name was. And then on the sort of flip side of that were the external things like how rich you were, how thin you were. And this was also in the kind of late 90s, early 2000s and thin was very much in. And so it was definitely not the place that I needed to be to feel safe. And it wasn't a very pastoral environment. Mm, I see. You then um, describe in the book how in your young adult years, uh, you are still a young adult, Kate Connolly, but um, <laughs> say, yeah, you started um, dressing you know, using clothes and makeup as a way to hide everything that was going on inside you. And you say at one point, uh, it didn't matter whether I wore Primark or Prada because the clothes were wearing me and not the other way around. Um, what does that evoke for you, if you could speak to that time in your life? Oof. I feel a lot of compassion for that girl. Um, really. What it evokes is that memory of if I could if I could persuade people on the outside that I was lovable because I was beautifully dressed and you know in my makeup and looking good basically that that would translate to other people believing that I was lovable and enough and therefore somehow I would believe that I was lovable and enough but of course it didn't work because underneath the clothes I was still there and it was just like wearing a mask and it's you know it's not sustainable to wear a mask the whole time and so there was almost this yeah the feeling of the clothes wearing me in that they had that much power over me and it was all there on the outside but then on the inside I was so worried that if someone really saw me that I would crumble hmm. right you talk about your healing process in the book and um I just realized that, you know, you said in your childhood, you didn't have a playbook. And I feel like you provided us with a playbook of what it looks like to reckon with someone's small T trauma for themselves, and then what a healing journey can look like. I absolutely loved your book. And every time I've told you this before, every time I picked it up, it was like I was receiving the exact message that I needed to hear that day. Um, I learned a lot. First of all, I, I, I connected with you, uh, but I also felt seen by you sharing your story. And um, I want to read uh, just to give the listeners a sense of the beautiful language that you use and how you invite the reader into uh, your story to encourage them to then own their own. So this is a quote uh, from one of the chapters. 
you say, during the healing, I allowed my inner child to express herself and to come into the light. I told her that I loved her and that I did not believe that she was a liar. Because she had been trapped in this small, dark space for so long, she appeared pale and frail and covered in scars. And there was a part of my present self that automatically wanted to reject her for her external appearance, as though it might become visible to the world. Now the memory was out in the open. You continue and say, in my mind, she brought me up to a very old oak tree and took my hand. She asked me to feel all of its knots and gnarls on its trunk. And by doing so, she showed me that its scars and imperfections, which can actually make us beautiful, majestic, and resilient. As I integrated and moved past this memory, I could no longer feel the poison of it in my body. How does it feel to you to hear your own words reflected back to you? It's very, it's pretty resonant because that sort of, that particular processing was pretty recent. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds kind of, my, my healing that, that, so this, this particular excerpt from the group, from the book, sorry, is um, talking about sort of my processing during EMDR, which is one of the modalities of healing that I've been doing, engaging in for the past year. And it's a well-known modality for processing big T and small T trauma, actually. Um, for me, it's been very visceral and very, very visual. So mm. when I go into, so just to kind of give you a bit of, um, if, if any of the listeners don't know or aren't familiar with EMDR, it stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. And it, it asks the sort of, the not the patient, but the person who is doing the EMDR to, engage sort of both sides of their brains. So you do it by sort of either tapping on um, alternate sides of your body, or sometimes people wear headphones and, and a, a noise alternates between the two different ears. And the idea is, is that you revisit the traumatic experiences whilst this is happening to enable you to process it with your whole brain because trauma is often very much trapped within sort of one part of your brain um so yeah that sort of it it's been for me it's been really really powerful and for me it's involved a lot of revisiting experiences that I had as a child and the way in which I've sort of visualized that is me now being able to go back to my inner child and to ask her, you know, what she wants, what she needs, to ask her to, to, to invite her to heal, to bring her into the present and to help her to feel safe. Because actually 
one of the things about small t trauma it's it's a lot about you know the impact that it has on the individual and how it stays with you so it was almost as though parts of my my most traumatic memories my inner child had remained frozen in those memories like trapped and actually even what happened during one of the EMDR sessions is that kind of I had this really big release and I realized that was why I'd been claustrophobic for a lot of my life because of that that inner child being trapped in this kind of small dark place um so yeah I mean it's sort of I don't think EMDR is something that a lot of people will have experienced and I was just, you know, you, to go back to your original question, like, how does it feel to have my words reflected back to me? I mean, it's just, it just feels, the, the only word that I can think of is it's, you know, it just feels so true. It feels, it's my truth. That's, that's what it is. It's my truth. And that, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it really. But yeah. I like that. And you mentioned something really important, which is you you spoke to um, the fact that what you spoke to the time that happened that was pretty short between uh, the EMDR sessions and the writing of your book. Mm -hmm. And so um, could you tell us a bit about your writing process and specifically during that process how did you relate to um you know how recent the healing was if that makes sense yeah of course so I guess the first thing to say is that I genuinely don't think I could have written this book a year ago because without having processed a lot of the small t trauma it would have felt too recent because it would have I hadn't sort of separated myself from it at that stage um and I think that was you know that that was huge that enabled me I was in exactly, I, I really believe I was in exactly the right place at the right time to write this particular story. Um, the writing process, so as you said at the beginning, you know, I'm I'm not a writer if if that term is you are though. Sorry to cut you off immediately. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so actually I'll I'll rephrase that. I had never written a book before. I hadn't done any writing since when I was at university. I had a little blog, um, but I hadn't really done anything since then. And that was 10 years ago. So it's been a while. Um, it was something I always loved as a kid, though. And I read a lot. So I'm and, and again, that's something I really, really, really loved as a kid. And in terms of the writing process, so what I did was... First of all, because we had this sort of eight week period to write the book in, I created, I, I prioritized the writing over the eight weeks. So a lot of social stuff and any other extracurricular activities kind of all, I just hit the pause button and I was like, just going to put all of my energy into the book because there was something in me that really, really wanted to do it. And I really wanted to 
publish um, after the eight weeks. And what I did first was I wrote like I, I, I dedicated, so I have a full-time job as well. And I dedicated either time in the morning or time in the evening before or after work for writing. And my first draft, there were quite a few drafts. And my first draft was like a pure stream of consciousness. And it was almost, I, I gave myself this kind of freedom to just write. And even if I was using unsophisticated language or just, I, I was literally writing as a stream of consciousness and just letting it all come out. And it felt very much like that. It felt almost like this This had been inside me and I was just like putting it onto the paper. And then I kind of finished that. So I finished the first draft. And then I sort of had this, it wasn't really like a freak. So I knew in my head, you know, the next step was that I needed to revisit it and order it and edit it and et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know if you remember, so we used to have our weekly check-ins and I think it was about sort of three, four weeks and I'd finished this kind of stream of consciousness and I printed out the manuscript because I thought maybe, oh, it's gonna be easier to edit it um, in a printed version. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So it was in my bag and I, I had this, I almost went into this kind of like freeze state and I didn't want to take it out of my bag. And it was it was in my living room where I'm sitting now. And the book felt like this presence. So I don't know if you've seen the film Jumanji. And the board game is that the kids can hear this board game that has a presence in it kind of vibrating. Like they hear this kind of drumming, vibrating under the bed or wherever the game is kind of put. And that's almost what it felt. I kind of felt the book kind of vibrating and to be honest like it made me feel a bit scared of it I was like wow this thing really has a life and so I almost had to like walk away and leave it and then I picked it up again and then I started editing and actually to be honest that was the bit that I really 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 enjoyed like spending time on it a friend of mine said that when you're editing your own work it's almost like chipping away at a block of marble and you almost, mm. you, you know when you've kind of got there and it's it's right. And um, I sent one chapter to a friend who's a writer and asked her to read it and give me some feedback. And again, that was like, I was absolutely terrified. I was like, what if she comes back and tells me it's dreadful or, you know, whatever. And um, anyway, she came back with some great feedback, really helped me. And I just kept working on it and got it done and I think the other thing was that was really great was um having that eight week kind of almost deadline to mm. write it in because it's the kind of thing that I feel like had I not had a hard stop I could have kept going on it forever I mean mm -hmm. it's a short book it's like a dissertation length and um you know there is there is more to say about this topic for sure but I think it really helped having that deadline and at the at having you know getting getting the book in my hands at the end of that felt really amazing. <laughs> mm. Oh, 
thank you. So many juicy things uh, in what you, what you just say said. Um, one of them is um, you did feel like th there is always going to be more to say. And so can you tell us how it felt to actually let this one be done? And then how you now, a few weeks after it came out, uh, relate to maybe what might come after? Did it make you want to write more or do you feel like you're done or how is it for you? Um, when, when I first, when the book was sort of published and I ordered a copy and held it in my hands, that was an amazing feeling. And to be honest, I think this book for, you know, what it is, I, I feel, I feel good about it. It feels, you know, in and of itself, it's, it, it's reflective of that moment in time and, um, yeah, I feel I it's something I feel incredibly proud of. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with it um, being done, but definitely would love to keep writing. And whether whether on this topic or another topic, I mean, to be honest, with the with the small tea drama stuff, as I said, I really feel like I've just scratched the surface, and I mm. think actually this this could be the beginning of a bigger and more substantive um, work, which could actually contain more research. You know, I've touched on a couple of things like what we've, I, I've always been fascinated about the human brain and I think we've learned so much about it in the past sort of generation really. And sort of, you know, delving into that kind of research also speaking to other people. I think there's mm. there's a lot more that could be could be done with this. And um yeah, I mean definitely, definitely want to keep writing. It's something that I really connected with a part of myself that brings me so much joy. Like I go into flow when I'm writing. I really love it. As I said, I really enjoyed it when I was a kid. And I think it's again a way of me kind of communing with and being with my inner child. Because when I was a child, as I said, like, you know, I I felt like I was very much shut down and boxed in and dressed up and sort of made to look a certain way. And I wasn't I, I never felt I was able to express myself. And mm -hmm. When I was a child, I think I was very, very creative and I think I had a lot to express. So it's been a really nice integration as well. Mm. So good. Have you been writing since the book came out? Has your relationship to writing changed in a way? Or I have not sort of formally been writing. Uh, what I've been doing is writing morning pages. So mm. when you, you know what those are from the artist's way and it's sort of sitting down every morning and writing that stream of consciousness. And that's kind of how I've kept my writing going um, over the past couple of months since the book was published. Um, so as you know, I've kind of had a lot going on this summer and I am looking forward to sort of sitting down and continuing to bring the discipline of writing into my life into my routine again mm. thank you for bringing that up I think the morning pages and any kind of journaling at any time of the day is still 
writing, it's still keeping that connection between your soul, let's say, and your hand. And uh, through the pen or the keyboard, it doesn't matter. But I think writing, uh, you know, people get hung up uh, on the term, am I a writer? Am I actually writing? Uh, does this count as writing? But really, it is a very simple thing. That's something that I really want our listeners to know if they have this same kind of like uh, imposter syndrome that a lot of writers get um, is like, am I am I actually doing it? But I think um, if you write emails, you are writing. If you write notes on your phone, you are writing morning pages, absolutely. And thank you for mentioning that practice because it is one that also, um, First of all, it, it it keeps a record of your days, which you might months or years later uh, come back to. And uh, it'll be easier if you first wrote them at some point, even if it's in a very messy way. Um, and then you talked about the uh, the joy of writing. And that's something that I often... Um, help writers with is to keep that relationship to their joy in the act of writing. Sometimes we have a lot of frustration. You mentioned, you know, the book was vibrating in mm -hmm. your bag. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard also because we are faced with our own um, story and of the idea of, oh, what are people going to think? Uh, mm -hmm. Can I share it? There, share this this way? Uh, should I rephrase? And it's a it can be an endless, um, I don't know, endless thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, I'm so glad you told your story in this book in a way that is really inviting uh, for the people, and as in a way that is very also structured. So there's gorgeous language, and then there's a structure, uh, very straightforward um, chapters that I really appreciated. Uh, can, can you tell us how you constructed the, the structure? What sort of, uh, yeah, if you can talk about the chapters a bit. Oh, that is a good question. Yeah. Um, I just also want to kind of reflect on something you said just now, if you don't mind, Absolutely. which is about when you said sort of quest we, we question ourselves, am I a writer, etc. And I think we live in this world where a lot of people, you know, are presenting what they do to the world on social media. So this is automatically opening up this, you know, inviting people to comment on or critique. And I'm not just even talking about trolling, even, you know, everything has everything has a, a has a rating now. And so I think what mm -hmm. that sort of leads people to think is that, okay, there must be only one way of of doing something right, of doing something that will get, you know, the followers or the stars or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's sort of, for me, you know, without sort of wanting to criticize that, it also feels a little bit short-sighted because I think that mm. one of the things that 
if I look back and I'm going to look to artists who, you know, particularly they, they often lived in, in communities, etc. But there was no, there was no social media. And so I think that as a result, they had that sort of freedom and space to break new ground and break, you know, discover new ways of doing things. And I think writing can be like that as mm. well. So I think that, you know, people ever, you, as you said, you know, if you write an email, if you write notes in your phone, whatever it is, journaling, you're a writer. And there's, there's not, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's not just one way of, of doing something and it's not black and white it's not binary there's this right. huge huge gray area and that's what makes it really beautiful and to be honest Brun that's what something which I think you really create space for in your workshops and that's something which you definitely allowed me to tap into so thank you mm. so much for that and thank you for touching on that just now mm, um, thank you Thank you. And um, yeah, to go back to how I structured the chapters. So I wrote them up. So I the kind of the kind of arc of the book was what happened to me um, and what it was like. So my kind of early experiences, followed by the healing journey and then touching a bit on sort of, you know, what it's like now. Because as I said, I really feel like I've had almost two lives and I'm living my kind of second life now. I got this mm. huge second chance. Um, and I deliberately didn't want the majority of the book to be focused on the trauma piece. And first of all, I don't think that's... The most interesting thing about me. Um, second of all, as I said, you know, this is something which is so, so subjective. And what what's traumatic for me might not be traumatic for someone else. And I don't want anyone to minimize their own trauma or think, you know, mm -hmm. they have to qualify for trauma and things. So mm -hmm. I really kind of kept that to the first two chapters and then wanted to go into the sort of the what the what the healing process is like and some of the things that I've experienced some of the things that have happened to me as I've really opened opened up and that I that was also why I called the book kind of learning to fly and I use the metaphor in the book of of a butterfly and so the caterpillar almost goes into its it, it not almost it does go into its chrysalis and then and that's what my kind of trauma was like I was in this chrysalis it was like this hard shell this hard exterior shell around me and then it has to almost digest itself so it turns into this kind of like mulch and that is sometimes what I felt like when I started opening up and talking about and healing and that's really hard because I felt very, very vulnerable, very exposed. And then ultimately what happens in the caterpillar's journey is that it turns into the butterfly and goes out into the world and sort of flies. And so that's kind of, for me, that's, that's the perfect visual of like what my healing journey 
has been like. And um, I think, yeah, the, the rest of the chapters were kind of informed by that, by that arc. Um, and so that was sort of how I, how I structured it. And each chapter has its own little themes. So, yeah. I love it. Um, thank you so, so much for chatting with me today and for um, writing your book. Your book is a gift. It was a gift to me. It is a gift to the world. There are not enough stories of uh, small t trauma in particular, uh, but also I really want to encourage everyone to own their story and share it in whenever, whatever way they feel called to do so. For some people it's going to be through song, uh, for some people it's going to be through painting, whatever the medium. But um, what would be sort of a final, say, piece of advice, um, maybe something you've learned through this writing process uh, to people who are hesitant to either write or self-publish? Mm, oh, I love that question. So I think my final piece of advice would be to honor yourself and honor your own story. And it was something that I grappled with in terms of, you know, when I, I think it was just before I published, I was like, no one's going to want to read about my story. And, you know, telling myself that, you know, it wasn't, you know, just sort of, again, minimizing it. And a big part of this for me was like, actually, no, like this is for me a way to, as you said, own my story. And it's been really, really empowering. And whether one person reads it or whether one million people read it, I have, with integrity really you know honored myself and honored honored my truth and mm. I think everyone has everyone has the truth and it's giving giving oneself permission to own that and to honor it and for me that is what has allowed me to show up for myself in the world as my authentic self so letting my freak flag fly you know whatever it might be but really you know just being completely authentic and that's been the game changer amazing <laughs> you just transformed your life and you are you already started transforming the lives of others thank you so much Kate Connolly, your book is called Learning to Fly. It's available on Amazon um, and everyone should read it. And the link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I will see you soon. Thank you for having me. Bye. This was such a great conversation. I love Kate Connolly. She is a delight please go buy her book. The link is in the show notes. Like I said, you can get in touch with Kate uh, on her Instagram. Uh, it's at kate.jane.connolly, C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y. The link is also in the show notes. Um, if you're interested in self-publishing, you but maybe you're intimidated by tech or 
whatever it may be, you're, you don't, you're not sure how it works. I would love to show you five simple steps um, in order for you to get self-published this year uh, on Amazon. So if that's of interest, I'm facilitating this free masterclass on August 23rd. Uh, the link is also in the show notes. You can just uh, register on Eventbrite. And then from September 3rd to October 29th of 2023, I'm running the program in which Kate wrote and self-published her book. I'm running it again. It's called Write Your Book Already. The link is in the show notes. You guessed it. And um, in it, uh, we talk about writing, revision, storytelling, um, advice to really help you week after week go from not a writer or not thinking you are um, to actually self-publishing your book, even if you, for example, have no idea how to make a book cover or how to format a manuscript or, you know, do am I going to write enough words? Kate's book is 12,000 words and it is truly transformative, like I mentioned during the interview. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for being here and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.